Hello, everybody. Once again, we are back. Romo in the house. Hit the lotto. Welcome to the uh, to the podcast. Uh, glad to have whoever's here here. And uh, if you're listening to this after we we produce it, we appreciate you downloading it and listen to it and giving us a few minutes. And hopefully, uh, you know, you get some entertainment out of it. We are. I'm going to call it season two because I've been away for a few weeks, and I know I try to be weekly, but uh, you know, had a few weeks where I just had to sort of step back from everything and then uh, I think it got to a, a point where it sort of started you know wearing thin a little bit and I and uh, uh, not the podcast just like life in general like you know like uh, work and home and kids and doing it all from the same 
corner of the same house for the last year and a half and then you know finding fun shit to do that that when you think about it you, you, it's funny how i felt like i needed this tonight you know and uh to get back into it but uh, not that it wasn't planned it was planned to get back into it but yeah you know it was just uh it was a crazy three weeks but i'm glad that i did i'm glad i took some time off and back in the studio with me again tonight helping a brother out is uh coach karen thanks man thanks for coming on the show with me pal anytime john anytime at all glad to have you back as well i uh, totally totally appreciate it to uh to have you on how have you been how's everything how, how how's your how's your time been how's your last uh, last month been for you since we last talked that's pretty good i'm on a i'm on a week's annual leave a uh, similar situation to yourself you know just needed to take um some time to actually connect with people as opposed to um you know just going through a what, what well, we're so regimented now in our routines you know um there's very little variety because lockdown didn't offer us that and um so taking a week off to you know spend some time with the woman and down in west cork and some fresh air and um yeah well, excellent. That's that's. Uh, so, so I've I've double thanks for <laughs> joining me. It's not even you're you're taking time out of your your literally your holidays here. So I I, I super appreciate you uh, you taking the chance to come on the show with me when I I got in touch with you late. That's that's pretty sweet, man. Thanks thanks so much for coming on. And uh, I, I you know the show was kind of sort of built. You know, it always sort of stems from those things or whatever but i i don't i i don't think that i told you but um i got my first i got my first jab on tuesday for for vaccine i got my first vaccine shot this past tuesday excellent yeah not yeah the eyeball, I hope. no not the eyeball i told him where's where's it going in the eye it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> You know, and for any of you listeners from previous shows with previous ones, they were they not that it matters which one we were getting. It didn't matter. We could we 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 alluded to you alluded to shoving AstraZeneca into your eyeball, but uh, the Pfizer one is going around, I guess. So uh, I go back in three weeks to get my second one. But so the so the question was always what when, when you know one of the questions because you know it's the new normal is what how how'd you feel. How'd you feel after it? How'd you feel after it? I guess it, things vary, right? I guess some people are like, ah, I felt it on the spot, but that's it. Some people got sick from it. Some people got super sick from it, but I woke up the next morning. I felt like I got hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> wow. I, I felt like I get hit by a Mack truck and I slept. I, I ended up sleeping until like 1045 and not even realizing what time it was. Normally we're up early with the little guy and work. Yeah. So I like, message into work i said uh, I'm, I'm taking taking the day off and I f but then as in the evening i felt i felt fine again i felt started feeling better and then you know got something to eat and felt, you know whatever I, I, I don't know but i felt that day was was horrible and, and i was like damn man at first i was like she's that pfizer hit me pretty good that jab hit me pretty good but then i kind of i think i don't think it had a thing to do with the drug I don't I've, honestly. I, I think that it was a culmination of you know every year at Christmas time, 
my, I'm not used to being, being from the States. I'm not used to getting the whole week off between Christmas and new year's, you know? And, um, even at the, my, my gig here now that I've been at almost 10 years, I still, the first couple of years I didn't, I couldn't do it. Like I, I came in and worked in between. I'm like, this is a whole week. Like, you know, I got to, then it became mandatory and all that stuff. But anyway, um, I wasn't used to it. So my, my brain kind of tells my body after because it's my busiest time of year i sell i'm in sales and you know it's my busiest time of year my brain tells my body every year at christmas time it's okay you can break down you know what i mean and like i get super i've i've been sick on christmas more years than i've been okay on christmas like like there have been some crazy years where I felt like I got food poisoning and stuff. And and I think that's what happened here. This was a year and a half of fear, emotion, anger, uh, confusion. uh, And not just in, in like every, not just in one aspect of our lives, but in every aspect of our lives, this, this was going on. Like every aspect, will I have a job tomorrow? You know, will I, will I be alive tomorrow? Will I be like, literally like, what is going on here? What is, what's the story and who do I believe and how do I believe and how do I bring in this information that finally my brain said to my body, it's going to be okay. You can, you can let go now. You know what I mean? And my body, my body just let go for a full day. Like that's the way I felt. And then I was fine. The next day, I was grand. Perfect. No problem. Actual, at all. Like, what you're talking about holidays, it, it's an actual thing. It, it's happened to me where um, my, my previous job, when I started, I, I don't think I actually took official annual leave for maybe two, three years. And then I booked something and I was looking forward to it for so long. And when it came to that time, it's, it's like my whole every system said, you've got a, you've got a shutdown booked. You can just shut down now. And, you know, I, I spent a miserable two weeks feeling horrible <laughs> for my whole vacation. It's just, yeah, it's permission to unwind. And as you said, like we've had 12 months more of, of hypertension, you know, um, all sorts of worries. And I'd imagine, you know, the, the opposite of that is, is going to be some sort of, you know, kickback from your body saying, look, you know. This is it. Like we we're going to take the opportunity, you know, just to deal with a few other issues. Uh, yeah, I guess the, I guess that it, it kind of ties into to uh, to what we talk. We, there's been previous episodes when we talked, and you know, I've had some some friends on and some some folks on, and they were they were you know decades younger than I was, and we talked about the difference between you know those decades. I guess if we were in our twenties, we'd be like out getting plastered drunk somewhere. Right. Yeah. That would that would have been our answer yeah. to it. And when we were young, like we are, are we lived for this. And that would we would have got went out somewhere and gotten plastered and probably disobeyed the rules and you know done something stupid because that's what we want then. Now as we're older, it's our body literally breaking down a little bit less than the year before, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take much to knock us out anymore. It's it's uh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it's, exactly. It doesn't take much. But um, and I see that uh, Sherlock is uh, welcome in the studio. Eric Kirk, two thousand three. They're welcome in the studio. Um, but I have to, I have to tell you, like a, a flip side to that story, Coach, is that um, Sherlock, who's in in the room right now, and he's going to be pissed off at me for talking about, it, even though you have no idea who he is and he has no idea who you are. But um, I met Sherlock through the internet. 
<laughs> this fellow Sherlock, I met him through the internet. Now I'd, I'd met him once before face to face in, in, in some setting, you know, over the last 10 years that I've kind of lived here in Ireland, I met him, I did meet him once before, but, um, but we didn't, I, I didn't know Sherlock at all. Sherlock, uh, was, was, I had no idea who Sherlock was. Sherlock joined through a friend of a friend of a friend because of all these video games that I started playing at, you know, 48 years old through, through a friend of a friend, uh, and a family member and a friend, he, I, I met him and we, we played in a golf league, a, a virtual PS4 golf league together, right? And uh, Sherlock was, it was, it's a great dude. He's an amazing dude. And Sherlock had, had a bit of bad news, you know, during this, this pandemic. And he, you know, he got, he, he was, he was kind of sick and he's, he's on the, he's on the, he's getting on the, other end of that and and sherlock is is you know one of the coolest strongest guys i know but i've never met him and i feel you know like he's in the studio now and we talk to each other you know probably once a week we send a note to each other because and that was in that was something that happened in the pandemic you know so there were positives there were for me you know something like that a relationship like that with sherlock was a positive thing and something that you know was would have never happened if it weren't for a pandemic. So I guess, you know, we have it to thank for a few things in life too, right? Yeah. Yeah. When we reconnected is it, it on, on levels that we never would have before. And, you know, like we said, for snow and dope. Yeah. It was like we were virtually dating for an entire year and a half in all of our relationships. It was like, yeah. it was like, right. It was like, what are, what are those virtual dating apps that are, you know, Tinder. It was like, we were, we were tindering in every single relationship that we had outside of our home. It was a Tinder relationship and it was from a face to face one. <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing about it, and this is funny is um, we became interested in details about other people that normally we wouldn't have, you know? So um, I remember before being working in retail and, um, years ago and, and elderly people would come in and you know you could tell that they wouldn't have had much contact with people through the week so you know they would take time at the counter or whatever check up to talk to the cashier and um, you know it, it, it was frustrating for some people some people couldn't deal with it very well but if you understood that that person wasn't seeing anybody um, meaningfully or having conversations with people face to face on a regular basis that, you know, that amount of contact. But we were all put in that position. We were all put in the position of we're not meeting people outside of a very small group anymore. If we meet somebody, we are going to be interested in what they have to say just because <laughs> they're talking to us. And yeah. I found that happened. Like, we, we all became, you know, these, um, you know, and, and you still see it today. I mean, the elderly people weren't in our stores for the cocooning period of lockdown. And um, you now you see them emerging back out again and getting out there, and they're not used to the fact that, you know, the way we shop them, <laughs> we're just not. <laughs> and they're taking their time and they're slow and they're, uh, you know, absorbing everything that's going around them, nowhere after coming through it a little bit. Well, we don't have the patience for that anymore again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, I guess just how much has changed and how what do you think what do you think what are we keeping from this are the things that we're keeping from this coach as far as like say we go back to literal you know point zero before we even there, there's no there is no coronavirus in the world you know and how we lived our lives then 
and say we go back to that exact same scenario where, I mean, we're all talking about no normals and stuff like that, but if we can go back to the exact same basic scenario, are we keeping anything from that we've, that we've learned from this pandemic? Is there anything or, you know, that you think that we, we would keep? I think one of the things that's probably changed um, and that we are going to keep is the employer-employee relationship. Um, because that changed dramatically from, depending on where you work, with the majority of people working sort of, um, you know, either short contracts or, you know, just your standard nine to five job or, you know, most of the people we see out there in the workplace. Um, the relationship was very structured in favor of the employer in a lot of ways. And I think having to move to work from home um, was a big change, which probably empowered a lot of people who wouldn't have received that um, level of empowerment. Like, so let's uh, say if you're working at you know, a contract level, um, just entry level job, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to be what's called agile before. That would never be offered to somebody when they walked when they went into a job, in a, you know, until they got to a certain level of um, middle management or specialist level or, you know, somewhere up the ladder. That's there now. You know, um, productivity can be checked, the whole lot. It's, it, it was seen as a perk before almost for people to be uh, working from home several days a week or, you know, having the opportunity to do it. Oh, I'm going to take today and work from home, be agile, the whole lot, having a laptop and all that. Everybody, you know, was equipped with that who was working through um, lockdown from home. They're all equipped to work from home now, and I don't think that's going to go back. But also, it's like something that almost employers were keeping from people a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like somebody's opened, uh, you know, Pandora's box into it, it's all of a sudden possible when the bottom line was going to be affected. Um. I think that's something that's going to be kept in. I, I see it's, it's, it's interesting because Wall Street in particular, I think, are pushing for a return to the office um, after Labor Day weekend. So they're pushing for people to get back in. Um, I'm always going to say back into the harness, but um, and all sorts of reasons are being given to it. You know, like uh, they, they believe in these water cooler conversations, creativity can happen. And yet you look at sort of um, Silicon Valley and places like that where most of the innovation in the last 10, 15 years took place. Very little of that happened around the water cooler or in a face-to-face -face environment. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure what, but I yeah. think there will be a pushback, but I think the levels of that is... Yeah, I think, I think you're right because I think that the... Uh... You know, the process of employee to employer or, you know, to become the sort of management phase, you know, they had to, I, I did in particular myself, you know, I had a, a team of, of, there's 10 of us, you know, roughly about 10 of us. And, and that started, that team started with one, just me. And now that, so they're my team, if you will. I mean, we are a team, but, but, uh, and I had to kind of rethink my complete 
you know, style of management. Like it was, it was, it was very, it became a, a lot more work for the employer in that regard, the, the management in that regard, because traditionally, you know, they were reported to now they have to set that, they have to set that schedule of reportation because they don't look the person in the eye. You know what I mean? And those kind of, in my, for me personally. So yeah, it was tough. The communication had to, had to, for me, had to change. And I'm a good communicator, but I'm, I work very good one-on-one. You know, I work good in a group setting, but I, I, I kind of, my psychology is, you know, if you, the only way you understand the group is, we talked about this, the only way you understand this group is to understand the single and to understand how these individuals make up this group and how they add to the group and, you know, what the possible problems would be as, you know, coaching philosophies even too. So, yeah, I had to re readjust that and I had to uh, um, understand that, look, the only way to get that, and I was a pretty liberal guy anyway in the office, but um, that's because I kind of could see what was going on. Whereas here, I, I, I had to be fairly liberal in saying, look, don't, because they would come and say, oh, I, I, I got to go shopping because it's, the, it's not busy at this time at the thing. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't care. These are, your, these are the things you got to do for the week. This is what we need to talk about. So come to me. Make sure we talk about this. And don't make me find you. You come and find me. And everything's good. And it, and it worked. You know, you're, so you're right. Like, like a part of me, you know, is saying when this goes back to normal, they're all wondering, you know, what do we do? And part of me does want that traditionally, you know, you know, even the big companies were saying sort of 20%, the massive, you know, the Googles and stuff were giving you sort of that 20% leeway to work from outside the location. They were leaning, the bigger companies were leaning that direction, you know? So now though, you have to just trust that, you know, you're getting your job done, then I don't care if you go get your haircut at two o'clock in the afternoon. I, I don't, I don't care. I need to know that you're getting your job done. And I would say that my philosophy about it was if I was getting, if I'm getting less productivity, if each one of us is doing less productivity from working from home yet, it's still, the job is still getting accomplished and, and, and we're still, moving forward and we're still making good decisions and the team is doing a great job, then what am I, what, what, what can we be moaning about? You know what I mean? What can we be? You're, you're right. Like, I think that the employee has been given, I think that's different in the States though, because I think the States are just like, you don't get time off in the States. You don't get like, you know, you don't get the stuff. So they want to go back to work. They want it. You know, Hell, they're not even wearing masks anymore. They can't even get people to get vaccinated in the States because things opened up a little bit and people are like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, just look like, over it. But like, here's a question like, for, for you. is, Have you changed what you're looking for when people are reporting it or when you're gathering information from your team? So I noticed that team meetings used to be sort of Monday morning, 10.30, um, middle management would meet upper management. Uh, certain criteria would be met. It was all very one big room, very open, and all this information was um, shared. So good reports and bad reports were coming in publicly almost, which kind of goes against how we as coaches would operate with good news, bad news stuff. Um, have you changed how like the, the questions that are almost being asked or the information that you're looking for? how you get that information have you changed that 
So I, I, I've, ch I've changed it only in that, you know, the irony is, is that I'm, we were all very, you know, again, my staff, it's a small company, you know, I was, and there was my, uh, the, the only people above me are in the States. They are the owners of the company. So I don't answer to, I do answer to them. We all answer to them, but like, um, they're in, in our setting locally, there's only one, you know, it's just me and them sort of, you know, so I like order the toilet paper, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I might be, I might be their boss in that regard or whatever, but like, I still had to worry about like, uh, do you need dry erase markers? And do you need, because I don't have that person that does that in my office. So it's gotta be me. They all, you know what I mean? Like, that's what, what, what it was for me. So I think in that respect, we were much more personal with each other and we were friendlier with each other. And I found that they are less friendly with each other because they're not, because they're not forced into that situation. So they're they're You know, when I talk to them, they're not, they don't talk to each other as much as they used to. They, they used to go on holidays with each other and they used to do, you know, nights out with each other, the, the staff in general, and they don't do that as much anymore because I, because they kind of had to, but B, even the con the conversations amongst them, went down a little bit i think because they kind of everybody sort of went back to their core groups you know and then and and reached and then started reaching out and we were lucky in my business because we had an amazing year like i sell online and like i it was an amazing year so we were lucky so like i've definitely changed my style in that it's much more it's i i yeah i'm much more like what's the story? What do we need to do? Whereas traditionally there would have been more, you know, time we would, we would have talked about the type of coffee and we would have typed that we had in the office and that kind of stuff. So I, I've definitely changed it. And I, but I've become much more of a, I'm not over your shoulder. I'm not watching you. And I never really was, but are you getting the job done? Look, I'm looking at the numbers The numbers are good. What problems do you have? Where are we growing? Where are we going? Let's talk once a week and if the ones that didn't talk to me would have probably been the ones that wouldn't have talked to me in the office anyway you know what i mean so so the yeah. same personalities kind of, yeah it kind of worked out but different way but you're right the way of getting things across to, to people has definitely changed in that it's just the delivery is quite different now you know the delivery is, i have to be so much more communicate it was just it used to be easy hey guys i would sit back at my desk hey guys look i've been thinking about this and tomorrow this 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 and now i have to like send an email out to them each one of them individually and and i have to to the group and if i want to talk to somebody you should be like hey what's going on with that I, we don't talk about that anymore we talk about it once a week because the team was really good and they did a great job and i hope that that's what happened with everybody, but I don't know if that's, you know, is it going to be harder now to, to weed out the bad eggs because we're a more kind of work from home society, or do you think the bad eggs will just, they're, they're going to weed themselves out still even working from home? Well, uh, on the assumption you're always going to have bad eggs, but I think a bad egg could have less impact on the, yeah. one of the areas that I always found uh, with coworkers and, you know, when I was in management with employees, but um, the bad egg tended to manifest itself in sort of the social settings more than the business setting. So if somebody's productivity is down, that's when their productivity is down. It's obvious. It's their login number. It's their account. It's their um, 
whatever it is, cash desk, or it's there, whatever the problem is in the individual one. But it was with the interaction with other people where kind of uh, that created problem, problems from a bad egg, if you know what I mean. Like the yeah. bad egg problem was more social within the workplace than business within the workplace. Business within the workplace, a bad egg will take care of itself because, as I say, the productivity is not going to meet um, targets, goals, or you know whatever reviews that you have in place. That'll always come across. But it's the you know John said something to gin at the water cooler or a boat nearly or over you know and that was the stuff that would nearly bring a workplace to halt in my experience yeah. it was a, yeah. an interesting one you know so um if we're not all exposed to each other's personalities as much as we were before and you've got a little bit more of a formal setting and less informal settings and um, between employees and between your co-workers and yourself you, you've got to find less opportunity for let's say uh, bullying or any type of harassment or mischief or just even uh, jokes that are taken the wrong way or you know all the stuff that usually can um, blow up and and create you know much bigger issues um, than anybody would have intended in the outset but i think one of the reasons that you were saying people aren't talking to their co-workers much but we don't really have much to say at the moment <laughs> But I'd like to see what happens with working from home when we have active social lives and when we do get a chance to touch base with our employees, with our, our fellow uh, co-workers, I guess. You know, are we going to be talking about what? Right now, it was like, are you locked down? Yeah, I'm locked down. Are you locked down? Yeah, yeah, I'm locked down. It's awful. Are you getting the vaccine? Yeah, I'm getting the vaccine. You get the vaccine? Yeah, we're getting the vaccine. We didn't have the, did you go to a match? Did you go to a game? Where did you go to the weekend? Are you going anywhere in your holidays? And, you know, somebody's having a, a communion or a big birthday or something you know, you know we didn't have any of that stuff to talk about so small talk to you and um, you know maybe that will come back into it. maybe the social side come back into it yeah here's one that I would hope that um, well this is a very, uh, very particular one but uh, so um, I have to go i have to report to um uh the i have a, a an irish residence card right to that allows me to to live here and stay here and work here and and pay taxes here and you know all the good stuff but um so i have to go like i, I got it when i first came and then they the first couple of years you had to renew it every year for two years and then they gave you a two-year and then they give you three. Now it's like three years. Like, so I, I get one for for three years. And my, um, it came up during the pandemic. And I used to have to, the the way the way it used to. When I first moved here, I I, I got my card fairly easy. Fa fairly, it was 2012, and it was I, you know I, everything was is, was above board, and I got everything fairly easy. And it was fairly the process was fairly you know, easy. But at that time, Ireland was, you know, I was given my, basically given the green card card and the guy who gave it to me said, good luck. And I was like, good luck. And he said, thanks. And he was like, no, good luck finding work. You know what I mean? Cause there ain't no jobs right now. Good luck finding a job. And so, so that's, so you can see why possibly it was, the, it was, it was easy. But then within the next couple of times I had to renew what I had to do, like my, cause my wife have to go with me to register. We would have to get to, 
this this building on the keys at like half four in the morning. It opened at uh, it was either seven or eight that it opened. It was half four in the morning. And at half four or five o'clock in the morning, we would probably be the 30th or 40th person in the queue around the block, right? Waiting for it to open. And by the time it opened, there would be a queue literally a block long of people like me looking for having a life here in Ireland that aren't nationalized Irish citizens. Right. That's that's how that's where it got to. It went from I walked in, I checked in, I did what I had to do to a block of people that I would have to get up at four o'clock in the morning for. So the so the Irish government said we have to take this online. Like we get we have to like we gotta we gotta figure this out. You know, it's this is crazy. We can't do this anymore. And this is primarily Dublin. Like if you live outside of the outside of the Dublin city, um the more rural, obviously, the easier. You go to the guard, you get the, you give them the information. The guard stamps it, gives you a card. You're on your way. You know that. But here in Dublin, it's because of the population; it's that much different. So they started an online, an online service, and I had to get one by going through the online service. And what happened was, what was going on was they would they would they would announce the, the they would put out the times in the morning, the dates and the times in the morning, and these bots were going in and registering for all the times and the dates as they came out. Right. And then, so when you went to the, to book an appointment, you couldn't get one. And if you don't get renewed and you can't, you have to do it within four months uh, or within four weeks of your card expiring. So if I can't get one, then in four weeks, I got to go. I'm technically illegal in this country. And then it was like in three weeks. And then I found out that this was what was going on. And you have to go to this other website and buy it. <laughs> right you had to buy buy your time and i'm like are you fucking kidding me this is what's going on and i was said said no i'm not, i can't I, well i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and i was lucky because you know football <laughs> i'll be honest with you because football uh brought me to someone who worked in that building in that office and that person said, just come on down. And I didn't have to, re to do anything. I got there and he, thank God. And somebody helped me privately. I mean, it was just an amazing experience and it was all through football. So amen to that, because I don't know what I was going to do. I was going to have to leave the country or something. I don't know. Like it was crazy. That process. Go ahead. You couldn't have left the country pandemic. You were stuck here anyway. Well, well, that was this was years ago, right? So it came up now three years later, and it's during the pandemic. So I'm like, what the fuck do I do now? So I go online, and they're like, this is what you have to do. You have to register, and then you have to pick which, what you're trying to get, what renewal you're getting, and then you have to send us these bits, all the things that you had to show somebody. You had to send us uh, a photocopies of these all five of these things that are up to date and good to go between you and your spouse. You, you upload those, you send them in, and within 24 hours, I got an email and a message saying it's been approved and the card is in the mail. It became the easiest process in the world to do. It went from this absolute insanity to the easiest process in the world. And I think like restaurants, people, all people kind of saying – you know, restaurants are smarter with their reservation systems now. And, and you know, when we go back, and that's one process that, that I'm so happy <laughs> was was sped up because I that would have been an absolute nightmare. And I hope that they don't go back when we're all good. I hope they don't go back to that initial process. I hope they don't. 
you can just picture a bureaucrat somewhere up in um, up in Dublin Four, kind of, you know, looking at, you know, sitting at a desk, looking at a ledger, going, you know, do we trust these people? And oh, uh, you know, there's so much to be said for the looking somebody in the eyeball to see if they're lying to you or something. And 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 it's a government job, and we you know we work on how the government decides to move money into our departments. So we need to prove that we need this money and we can't prove we need this money when one person is literally doing the job of three or four people right now, because of that's all of those things that you just said, because you're not doing individual appointments with these guys. So we're going to have to get rid of half our staff if, if that's the case. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, we can't so, we can't. so you're saying, yeah, you're saying it's going to go back to the old way, isn't it? <laughs> I better yeah, get my citizenship soon. Yeah, get, get it sorted by this automated. Get it done now. Yeah, I know, I know. Wait, wait. You know, before I know. you have to go sit in an office. I know, you're right. You're right. I got to do it. But the, the pro that process, for sure, There's. I think there are, like, you know, I, I'll be interested to see, you know, how the the live music processes change a when they first start to come back and b once things are back what what will their normal be you know a lot of these yeah. companies lived off of packing as many bodies nightclubs and and live music venues packing as many bodies into the venue as you legally are allowed to do and not one more or not one less that's the only way you're going to generate money you know and that's going to be you know are people just going to flock back to that stuff what sport I mean, people are my brothers yeah. in at Wembley for the FA Cup final with twenty one thousand people. You know, that's a much bigger stadium than you know, it can accommodate more than twenty one thousand people. But uh, to think of, you know, that number of people in the proximity of a soccer pitch and um, a couple of months ago you'd be you know, thinking ludicrous, but yeah, there's an appetite there for people to get back to the things they love and crave. Um, you know, for some of us it's sport and music and um, you know, it's a simple thing like um, libraries have been closed, different, you know, um, different outlets that people have have been shut down. And I think people are going to want to get back to them, know how they, these places or these structures, the stadiums, the venues, the libraries, the, you know, the swimming pools, the gym, how they operate will have to be modified, I'd imagine. Um, Sort of like some countries were more prepared for pandemics because they suffered from epidemics and outbreaks previously. Mm -hmm. We weren't. This is all new to us. But um, you know, you look in, you know, to the east and, and sort of some African countries have have had outbreaks of Ebola or different things, and you know, they they kind of. They adapt their systems. They're, you know, they don't operate as freely as we did. You know, we were lucky in a way. We always felt that, look, our medical our medical system would be robust enough to stop like flu taking a hold of us uh, very badly, and for a large part it did. But I think we're going to have to look at these structures now and say, look, it's not all. It's not going to be, uh, you know, as you say, crammed all these people in. And a case in point of that, if you go back to. Uh, it was before your time here, but you know the Stardust disaster in Dublin, and when venues were being filled, and you know there were a lot of scares to do with um, fires and, and 
numbers and fire exits and a whole lot. And even if you look at sport, there have been all these like landmark moments where how stadiums are managed and supervised change. You know, so you had Hillsborough, um, Hyson Stadium, you had all these different, uh, Bradford, you had all these different stadium disasters and incidents that happened that changed how they were managed. So this is going to be another one of those where we're going to change how venues and public spaces are managed. I think, you know, um, we can't look at it as normal because it's going to be like an evolution. You know, we're going to ease back into this and people are going to find some things work and some things don't. So it'll be interesting, of course. It'll be different. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see what the one of the things we we decide to keep, as you know, and all the things we're ready to move out. But but just moving on a little bit from you know from the pandemic thing, it was was, um, but but it actually kind of came out of it as well because of the lack of sort of face to face sort of communication and how in a in a um, you know, personal setting, business setting, as we just talked about, like, so, so one of the big kind of movements over the last few years, and I didn't notice it here in Ireland and even in Irish football so came out and support American football in support of it because, you know, uh, you know, American football is a primarily a male sport, even though there's some amazing women associated with it and not even to get into that, but I mean, it just is what it is. And, uh, you know, mental health, men's mental health around that and and you know how we how we deal with it it's okay to not to be okay and and you know men commit a lot more suicide men worry about the men have all the you know we, we do and, and there is and all of the issues that kind of you know it's okay sort of things as well as say you know look we've had black lives matter movements we've had you know feminism movements and equality not feminism but equality movements that have gone on even over this pandemic but one of those things that was sort of going on before that was sort of was men's mental health and and you know it's it's true like like, don't get me wrong like when we're men and we have issues and we have mental health issues and we have and now we're all wired a bit differently and 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 stuff like that but but like i definitely have you know had that once a month say outlet with with a group of fellas where you know we would get together and play poker or something with like-minded friends that that all got along that you know a small group that and we would have we would play poker and when we were playing poker like we talk about things that men talk about, you know, not even to get into the topics, but those topics so it's that, that, that we talked about were probably, you know, not in this day and age, you know, we're on PC, if you will. You know what I mean? They're probably not, not as PG as they should be and could definitely in the wrong context could be misconstrued as, you know, issues with, with whatever groups or other groups that weren't like, talking in the in the room with us at the time whatever but like and and i don't know if you saw their coach but uh it was something it was an an article or something that joe rogan who's a famous podcaster he kind of he gets to talk things happen out of context with joe and joe's not the smartest guy but whatever joe he's a great podcast but he kind of alluded to you know you know talking about you know, going the opposite way with it and talking about this toxic masculinity and, and how there's, you know, there's this war on toxic masculinity and there is, and again, I'm not denying that there, that there isn't su- such a thing. Um, but 
when you talk about sort of men's mental health and kind of our need for men to sort of be able to at least talk like like alpha men, males, and, and, you know, say stupid shit that we don't mean and we never did. And even the women in our lives or the friends in our lives all know that, you know, we, we, that this is kind of our necessary sort of outlet to be able to do that. But it can also be construed as, you know, this toxic masculinity and how, you know, even like when you, when you're talking about these, the, the, the television shows and, and things like that and, 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 you know, I just come at it from a male perspective. Maybe it's a white male perspective. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I don't have that much interaction, enough, you know, to, to it's, but I think it's an all men problem because we all have, you know, we, we all go through this, but where's the sort of the line drawn between when something like that becomes considered toxic masculinity, if that makes sense to you. Like I, th I think about, yeah. we, and we talked that you, you were, you were in the studio, not in the studio, but you were on the show where I, where we listed our, I listed my, t my favorite movies when I flew solo on that episode. And we talked about that, those movies that could not be made today. Couldn't be made today. Those movies were, and, and I know that my, my mother might be in the, in the studio. I don't think she is, but it might be in the studio, but it doesn't matter. Like, those movies that were stupid, funny movies that really were stupid male humor. You know what I mean? Like when you talk about some of those Mel Brooks movies and things that we talked about, like like we talked about the Blazing Saddles, you know, could it be made today? But the, those movies appealed to the to the 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 masculine side of me. That's what made me laugh because they were silly and stupid, and it was probably things that shouldn't have been said, and it wasn't. But, but so, go ahead. I just don't know if I don't know if we're, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head, in in terms of even the movie selection. So, for me, for any, I mean, the first thing is, um, a lot of people are having a knee-jerk reaction as soon as the phrase "toxic masculinity" pops up. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh my God, don't you dare accuse me of this. And and the second thing is, people don't know what it actually is, but they don't want to be accused of it. But they're not sure what it is. What are you accusing me of? It's not me. It's definitely not me. But I don't know what it is. How do you know it's not you if you don't know what it is? Um, so, like, I would say it's the insidious part of toxic masculinity, and to me it exists, isn't seen in, in, in movies like that. It's seen in other movies where we'd have uh, your more stereotypical role models that people would look up to, um, you know, behaving in a way that's, you know, deemed inappropriate today. And even, um, you know, so I, I get what you're saying about the, the Mel Brooks movies. I mean, I rolled around the floor laughing at those uh, as a young player, you know, I thought they were the funniest thing ever. Um, but it's it's kind of, for instance, at the same time, I would have been watching James Bond movies. Now, there's a yeah. guy, you know, that clean-cut, you know, uh, sharp suit, doing his bit for his country and saving, you know, democracy from the evils of Spectre or whichever sort of pseudo-communist um, <laughs> dictatorship he was fighting against. But would you <laughs> treat any of the women in your life the way he treated the women in his? 
and uh, you know, this day and age, yeah. I think like that's that's kind of the more more the thing that that raises a flag to me. Um, one of the interesting ones, if you look back on it, like it's a great movie, Groundhog Day. No, I'm not judging these movies. I'm not turning around and saying, "Oh my God, you can never watch it no. again." All right, no, no. so uh, you've got Groundhog Day. Bill Murray, the protagonist, you know, is cracking on to, um, you know, hit, trying to, you know, um, make his intentions known to Andy McDowell, who makes her intentions known directly back to him, that she has no interest in it. <laughs> yep. So he spends, like, the hundreds of Groundhog Days that he experiences trying to manipulate a way to get her to say yes. Yeah. And she said no. <laughs> she said no. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And yet the whole <laughs> point of the movie is for him, you know, to cheat, basically. I, I don't mean cheat in, in terms of a romantic or, you know, anything like that. I mean actually cheating at sort of the game, if you yeah, like, yeah. by yeah. finding out bits of information, basically stalking her over his numerous lives to become, you know, the uh, perfect ideal person in her eyes, basically fooling her. To say yes one time. Like, that's that's kind of toxic right there. You know, you're it, saying we, we need to boycott Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. You've got to look at the, You've got to look at these things and say right. And you know, another interesting thing about toxic masculinity is we we always frame it in terms of, um, you know, this uh, male female dynamic. But there's an interesting thing about it is that it doesn't always go male to female. It goes from a male who's in a position of power, feels more powerful than another male. You know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Targeting that person with toxic behavior, and an interesting and, and an interesting place where I came across it um, was a piece done on pop culture detective about the show um, Big Bang Theory. Okay. Are you with the show? I am, I am. I never found it funny, but uh, but yeah. Right. I am you definitely mean, familiar with the show. I understand. Yeah, yeah, the characters. Story, I know who they are. So. Yep, yep. Nerds, right? And you're saying, yep. how, could, how could they, you know, be um, display toxic masculinity? You know, they're not the stereotypical, but in their group amongst each other, they're constantly putting each other down. For being more feminine or uh, having feminine traits, so this character called Raj has more feminine traits than the rest. And keeps getting used for that. Also, how they treat women, even though they're in, um, you know, they're, they're supposed to be well educated and so on. How they treat women? No understanding. These are all shows. These are not real. But it's so interesting that if you think of situations where. Um, you know, we might come across it in our life. So we're, you know, rookies and rookie hazies. Where, I'm, I'm not sure they happen anymore, but there was definitely a thing of kind of weeding out the weaker in a hazing. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a kind of a male-female devoid or toxic masculinity to manifest itself seriously. Yeah, I think that's... It's not out there. Uh, if you can say it's there, but you can't. 
you know, I, I guess where do we draw the line? My question exactly is so that what that the scenario that you described and the scenario that I described are two very different scenarios, yet yet they could be met because of the the lack of definition of what it is, what what that term means, toxic masculinity. They both can be conceived as this equal in severity. By different people, yeah, you know what I mean, and that—that—that's my thing. Is that tr- you know, like, like you hear so much about you know, you know, how, where where is it getting? And for me, it's I, I, it's purely in that sort of like you know, I know I'm a good person, I know I'm a good man, I'm a father of a daughter, and I'm a married man, and I love my all that stuff, whatever. But like when I get together with the lads, like we talk about shit, you know what I mean? That stuff. Yeah. But we know, like I said, we know that's silly stuff. But for me, that's almost a mental health exercise where we're going, you know, we're building up all this, you know, stresses or whatever that's going on. We may end up with the lads. We we could talk about that male because there is a difference. And we could talk about the, that sort of the shit that's going on and, and, you know, perspectives and all that stuff. And <clears throat> some of it could be seen as not you know, PG friendly or friendly and somebody, you know, if, if the wrong person was there that was overly offended, we could be in jail for that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go there, but you know what I'm saying? But for me, that's mental health. That's, that's men's mental health. That's, that's a situation where that needs to be, you know, that's just saying, is that still going to be protected by society? Well, here's the thing. I think if you understand that the reason it's called toxic is because it has the ability to hurt like anything toxic is, is is damaging so if you understand that it's got the ability to do that and you're cognizant of that and you're in an environment where you know everybody is aware of you know um sort of boundaries or you know like you're not going to demonstrate the same behavior um you know if, if as you say there's somebody there you're not going to round on them or um you know make it a, a sort of too many alpha males and if one person isn't that there'll be an awareness of that. Um, but I think the, the term is being used more in a kind of a broader sense. So we are looking at things like Mel Brooks. We are looking at things like James Bond. We are looking at these, uh, you know, let's say Donald Trump and saying, oh, it's the poster child of um, toxic masculinity. But I think it's a more subtle thing than that. And I think a lot of us have filters and, and awareness um, that will prevent us from um you know being toxic you know in the same way i think a lot of us have those filters i like so your environment you're with you know a bunch of people that you're very close to a comfortable environment everybody's aware of the boundaries everybody's aware of what's being discussed um it's a private thing it's not uh something directed at individuals there or you're not you know using that to stoke uh, toxic behavior outside of that environment that's one thing but I think we need to start looking at where where this behavior exists and is accepted in general so probably the first place we look at is in the workplace again we're getting back to that um, so I, like I know what you're saying like the you know the, that you can just talk freely to somebody is very important but you've got an environment set up where you can do that you know yep yep you've got that environment you've got that you've got a support group around you mm-hmm. that you can 
talk and uh, talking freely. Maybe it's a generational thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you don't just talk about, you know, everything isn't sort of, uh, I, I, I want to say everything isn't sort of a Mel Brooks movie, but I know you're probably, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's, we're not, everything isn't at that level. Everything isn't borderline um, offensive to anybody outside the room. There's probably a lot of other stuff discussed as well. And just how you discuss it is, could be offensive uh, or deemed offensive to what that's pretty different from um, what, to me, what toxic masculinity is. So you don't yeah. impose that on somebody else. You don't reinforce it in somebody to allow them to go impose it on somebody else. Um, I find very often in these situations when you're talking to somebody that the very people who will turn around and say, look, that's, you know, if you, if you say that you've done something these are the people who will turn around and tell you you're being a dick and you can't do that. These are the people who will clip your wings if you get too kind of big for your boots. That's how I find my, my friends anyway. Yep. You know, we're in a situation like that. These are people who will be honest with us to our face about what we're doing as well. Yep, um, no, absolutely. You're totally right. You know, and that's, that's kind of essential enough as well. That's needed, but um, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I've seen... Uh, Joe Rogan go on about um, toxic masculinity and he seemed to demonstrate everything that he, that he was saying doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, <it> was just like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you know? Um, I, I mean, it was, it was just weird and it's like, um, I think it's just a term for something that has fueled a lot of issues over the years. An awful lot of issues over the years. So, it, Rogan's take on it was that where would women be without men? Because we've been protecting uh, women from murders and wars. And I was kind of turning around in my head saying, well, who was, you know, who was warring and who was murdering other men? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Stack up. and he also said men invented everything, so women are far better off. Well, this the kind of Jordan Peterson school of thought, too, right? Isn't that that yeah, fellow Jordan Peterson? Point. It is not true, and two is we've created an environment where women couldn't even get credit for the stuff they invented, or let alone be in a position to invent stuff. So, um, you know, look, yeah, it's true. You're, you're it's a poker, a poker table with a bunch of guys and shooting the breeze um, is a great release, and it can get serious, and you can get to topics there that you will probably not get to uh, with outside that environment. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. I think that, uh, that, that you know, especially when you're talking about just the the male female you know divide that's going on. That that I think that that a little bit of understanding about each other, more understanding. I think that's the key with everything. Isn't it? If we understood a little bit more about each other's differences, then we would realize that what we would need to to get around those differences and how we can overcome those differences, right? Like it's racism is the same thing. If we understood the guys, if they understood, if we had a chance to sit down and have the conversation, you know, obviously it's gotten to extremes. Don't get me wrong, but you know, the, you know, men and women, I, I used to say when, when, you know, heck my, my wife and I, we used to take opposite holidays. We would take different holidays because I, I you know, I think, and I do think it's a male, female thing. I think that, you know, I would, 
you know, she would love going on a cruise, going to the beach, you know, sitting in the crystal sands and, you know, and sitting back, enjoying yourself for a week and doing nothing because she does everything. Don't get me wrong. That's why, because they do, you know, she does everything. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm well aware of that fact, you know, whereas, whereas men, when we get, like, I go on golf vacation and I go from zero to a hundred for four days, you know what I mean? And then I need a couple of days off when I get home just to recover from that. Like that's, that's what men, men, not a, we get it. We, cause we're, we're just not as smart, right? you know, there's a difference. We're just, we just don't think like that. We're not, you know, so if we understood each other and that's what, what was great about it. Cause we understand that we're not going to fight over, you know, now it's different with family. It's, you go together with, with the kids you take, it's about, it's not about you anymore, you know, but yeah, we used to take, you know, because we just have different needs in life sometimes. And, you know, but we still should be able to make the same amount of money and, and have the same inventions come out. You know what I mean? We still should be able to do that. If we just knew a little bit more, maybe or cared, maybe we would, we would get along a little bit better, you know? Well, you know, I, I think um, a lot of the push, and you see the problem at the moment is that the sort of gender imbalance and that is a problem. I'm, I'm saying that is the problem. Yeah. Um, the adjustment on that is gonna it's gonna hurt. You know. Yeah. And it, it's happening a lot. You know, it's it's. I mean, it's happening for the first time ever in the history of civilization. This is, um, you know, uh, I I know going back to the, uh, you know, the ancient Celts, they were talking about matriarchal societies and so on. And um, for like, you know, since I don't, I can't remember when, but every civilization, um, you know, that I've heard of the leadership of, I can, I think I can name two or three of them, um, as leaders, but you can name all the Alexander Great ones. Just massive changes happening and it has to happen. Um, and it's not going to be easy and it's going to be painful for some people, but you don't need to fully understand everything about everyone else but i yeah. think we need to have a good idea of who we are ourselves and i think we need to be open to learning about other people yeah. as we need to or as you know as the opportunities arise and i think that's something that, you know nobody's uh, been doing for years and years um i mean i look at other things that have changed in the last uh, 50, 60 years and how little they've changed in reality. So, you know, just looking at um, race relations across the globe in the United States in particular, um, you know, it took 100 years from the end of the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement getting any traction. Yep. And these are time spans we're talking about. No, today we're talking about addressing you know, gender imbalance, which has existed for millennia. And that really, um, you know, I, I don't think the, the, the women's movement in the 1970s got as much traction as we're getting in the course of the last, what, three years? Yeah. You know, so it, it's all accelerating, but, you know, just being open to it, being honest about it, um, yeah. <laughs> well, look, we, we answered nothing, but we, we I think we probably started open more questions on that topic than we did <laughs> any answers. But I got one more quick one before before we go. 
so I, I don't know if you um, obviously you know that the <clears throat> the local medical service, the HSE, uh, was was cyber attacked uh, for ransom with ransomware, um, and you know it shut down. And, and actually, my um, my daughter uh, had to go to the children's hospital. She was she was very unwell the other night, and my wife took her, and um, she's fine. Everything's everything's grand. But my wife had to take her, and um, when she got there, you know, she was like the woman behind the counter held up a pen and a piece of paper and was like, this is what we're working with. Please bear with us. There's zero, there's zero online computer. Not, no, not a computer was on and at Crumlin at the children's hospital. And it was fairly chaotic for these kids, especially, you know what I mean? Not even the, the doctors and the, and the, but for these children, for these kids, the chaos that that ensued, <clears throat> you know, for, for, for these guys to, to you know, for, for this ransomware attack, like, like of all, of all things for them to attack. Like, did you, saw, did you see the one in, in the States, the colonial pipeline that got shut down half of the East coast petrol was shut off and they had to basically relax laws that allowed uh, gasoline to be transferred over, over ground in trucks that they that in order for the gas to start flowing, right? And it was they were held for cyberware, and they, they paid them, they paid them seventy five bitcoin, like five million dollars. That they paid these guys to do it. Like it's 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 a it's a bit crazy that that <laughs> that that that's what happened. They ended up paying these guys to do it to get the gas flowing again, and the doors that this has opened up. But the group that did it was called Dark Side, I think, the Colonial one. There was Russian cyber criminals then. You know, the other group that did it, they're called, it's called Dark Side or something. And they actually, um, when they, they, they actually came out with a statement that they probably, um, these guys in particular, they probably should have thought about what was, what they were hacking because this is such a regular thing. They hack big businesses all the time that they put out on their website, Dark Side put out on their website. From today, we introduce moderation and check each company that our partners want to encrypt to avoid social consequences in the future. So they like fuck. They made a mistake by doing what they did. They realized that because they they could have made millions more if they would have went to Google or to Facebook or to hack something else. But yeah. then, so so these guys actually, they're such pros. It's now a job. It's now a career path. They're such pros of what these do. These ransomware guys that that they they they're like, ah, oh, shit. We're not going to do that anymore. We're only going to go after the billionaires. Don't worry. We're only going after the billionaires. But then a week later, Russian cyber criminals do this to the Irish HSE and demand sixteen million dollars or something, sixteen million euros. Like, yeah, like that is they, they, those guys are just poking and hoping, and they came up with something. They are not like that. That's going to set them back. You know, this is this is going on like on the normal this cyber ransomware and stuff, and people are paying off enormous amounts from what everybody's saying. But it is tough right now for the those workers that are trying to deal with it. And it was tough, you know, that these guys do that to, to, to the kids in the children's hospitals. They can't have appointments now. If you think about it, we're we're, we're, we're still in a pandemic, and you know, you're you're basically pulling the plug on, you know. And um, we've, we've, we've come to call it essential services uh, for the whole country. Um, it's lunatic stuff, but it is the weak thing, without a doubt. So, uh, I, I'm dealing with 
you know, the HSE, like every other Irish person has been, um, since it was broken down into different health boards, regionally and the whole lot. The, uh, one of the issues here might be that the health board, HSE, didn't really go digital records-wise and otherwise um, for a very long time. So there was like, yeah. you know, separate uh, areas of, like, like a hospital as a unit nearly operate independently, digitally from everything else. Um, you couldn't get your records, access records. So if some, uh, you know, if you were in, uh, let's say, Conley and records from the matter, like that was a physical transfer of information. It wasn't a, we can access your file here and, and, and see what they were doing to you over there. So this is like when most of the Western world was up to speed on it. Uh, and operating digitally, we weren't. Given that we were also the Silicon Valley of Europe at the time, uh, it was a head scratcher. I was wondering, is our late arrival at this and, and the fact that it's probably the newest kind of digital network in a health um, department or a health authority in Europe, it, does that make us more vulnerable? Are we more vulnerable because this is newer to us? Um, you know, we didn't have. We weren't up and running. I mean, people are talking about all sorts of stuff, like a lot of health workers who are administrators are working from home, though. Yep. Is that an area of vulnerability? Um, yep. You know, so we had a newer system. We weren't as queued into this connectivity across all of our hospitals and health network. I know we're working from home as well. Really vulnerable, and they, you know, it's hard to blame the HSC on this because these guys are insidious. Um, they really are. I, I I completely I completely agree with you, and I, I you know and I think the 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 one again I mean, it's a generational thing, but like you know when we were like you said in here in Ireland, they actually it was very late before they went completely digital. But like you know, you and I were literally around when there was no such thing as a remote control anything really you know what i mean they were you know the televisions did not you know so the technology advancements from then everything was on paper and you kept everything and you kept boxes and boxes of of records and paper and all that stuff and then okay let's put it now let's go digital all right so we got to go digital you know so there's so much ease with the digital but still you need to have that paper back up somewhere because if something goes wrong you know, and then they put it all to the cloud. And then literally people were saying, oh, we don't have, let's not worry about the data space ourselves. Let's let Amazon hold all of our data. <laughs> let's let, let's let these massively big corporations hold all of our data. Amazon Web Services holds all of the data. They hold government data. They hold data if you're going to the cloud and you're going to the apple cloud then apple holds all of your data that's what we went that's where we went now and now we're like oh maybe we should get back to this paper thing man again you know what i mean maybe we should start to back some shit up with some paper if this this is going to happen on the regular because it's like a paper story go ahead a real quick paper story right so uh coming over to school here in the mid 80s the um employment situation was so bad actually one of my teachers when I went to the secondary school, he was uh, our English teacher. He told us all to sit down, take out a pen, and start signing our names because when we got out of school, that's all we were going to be doing was signing on. And, um, a lot of us like, did end up signing on several times through the course of the 80s. First time I had to sign on, I went in. 
and the guy got out this uh, Manila covered coloured folder with a lot of printing on both sides of it. It was about A4 folded over once and a lot of cards in it. He wrote my name on it and uh, other information, so that would be GD card protect you now and a number. And I was getting a card with the same number. Anytime I signed on between then and I'd say I had to sign on when I came back from the States um, just to be on record that I was in the country pretty much um, in the late 90s. The same manila envelope was got from a folder. It wasn't punching in the numbers. It was like the one. And like literally when I had to sign on after years, the last signature on this piece of cardboard inside the folder was the signature from the day I signed off when I got a job before. And Amazing. It was just like, that was it. It was just one piece of cardboard. It was, it was crazy. Um, and you know, and it survived into the 90s. And it's like, <laughs> ridiculous. And it's probably still somewhere. Either, and, and this, is the, this is the best bit, it's either there in a physical kind of, the thing is there, or it's PDF. And it's stored up in the code that you're talking about. All, yep. my, all my signatures from every time I lost a job, um, which in the 80s would have been <laughs> someone working in construction. That would be <laughs> <laughs> amazing absolutely i know i i have a, a a quick funny paper story too uh just uh, it's an irish experience as well so my i recently over during the pandemic and i've been thinking about it for a long time but i changed my my gp um i was going to a fella and he was fine everything was fine and and but he just he was it was a little for you know like i get the differences between American GPs and, and GPs here, and it's more like going into somebody's house here and all that stuff. And I, I get it, and, and I, so I'm, I'm fine with it. But he was a little bit like, like when before our son was born, um, uh, he didn't have a scale to weigh the baby in his office. So like things like that, like how are you a GP? You don't even have a weighing scale for a baby. How I many you don't? deal with any baby like it's just crazy so my wife <clears throat> she went to another uh, another gp and then i followed over to that gp but this chief the, the gp that i had before I, I changed over um he sent me to get bloods done and he said uh hey you should go get bloods done james hospital blah 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 so i went and got bloods done i i uh, they sent them back over to him whatever so the next time i went in for something um he was like, you should go get your bloods done. He gave me this card. He said, go get your blood. I said, I did. I just I got them done last month or whatever. They sent the the things to you. And he was like, Oh, well, we just changed it. We just changed the filing system. Hold on. And he turned around and he went into the filing cabinet and he was looking up for my folder for my name. It wasn't online. You know, it wasn't online. He was looking at my folder for my name and he pulled it out and he was like, It's not in here. We haven't gotten it back yet. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, but I just got them. I literally just got them done like two weeks ago. And he was about to close the filing cabinet. And there was a, a stack of about, I don't know, 10 papers on just sitting on top of all the folders that had yet to be filed. And he was like, hold on a second. And he pulled these papers out. And he went by them one by one by one. He's like, oh, no, here, I have the results here. Here, here are the results. And we talked over the results of the blood work. But like, I would have 
that was and for me that was kind of one of the straws that broke the comes back like i got I, I get being kind of paper but being this bad you know being this bad and not filing the stuff like it's time for me to find somebody a little bit more modern <laughs> just a little bit more modern but again that was that was the and this is what i'm saying that wouldn't have been a hundred years ago that would have been quite recently relatively and we have it. We've only moved on to like my GP has only moved on to sort of a digital database where they can connect with other uh, elements of the HSC in the last like five, four or five years. Yep. So we're new yeah. and, and we knew it. We were going to be vulnerable, and you know, um, hopefully they get it back together again, and it doesn't um, cause too many problems for people. Well, I'll be. I'll be goddamn if if to figure out who the who the hell is going to pay these guys sixteen million dollars or euros from the HSC, the HSC. Like they definitely picked they definitely picked on the the wrong folks there. <laughs> like there ain't there ain't no you cannot you ain't get no blood from the stone there. Yeah, what do I'm an American out of all right? We'll we'll figure that shit out. You know what I mean? Here yeah, there, and we sort it out later. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a, a private business. You know, you probably have some sort of uh, insurance, and that's a, an interesting question. Like, <laughs> do you have insurance for cyber terrorism? Uh, we're gonna need to get cyber cyber security insurance. You you uh, you are businesses are gonna have to get it. Even small businesses, I I think are gonna be have to get some sort of insurance against cyber cyber attack i mean even my business is very small it's all done online it's all you know we're very secure as far as where we, we keep things in a server nothing's in a cloud blah 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 so it's not as easy but uh, but yeah like i think they're you're, we're definitely gonna have to we're moving in that direction to get it you know what i mean listen coach we've been on for an hour and in oh. 10 minutes here 15 minutes here and i, I don't want to keep you anymore and, and i really appreciate you uh you coming on to join me tonight and, and after a few weeks off and i had a, I had a blast it was good it was very cathartic for me man i really thanks eric kirk uh you know we try to try to do our best here but i really super appreciate you coming on and, and you know just shooting the shit with me for the last hour thanks so much for doing that anytime john anytime at all man and um, look i know times are tough and it's great that you know we're seeing this light in the horizon now and hopefully the stress and strains will start to disappear you know yeah i think you're right i think uh, let's let I, I do i think you're right i think obviously that you know things that that new new thoughts and and uh, things come up over this pandemic that would have never come up for, came up before whatever other various reasons that you know are to the forefront now rather than that may not have been if this thing wouldn't have happened but and and things got worse because of it and things were falsely made worse because of it but i think you're right i think uh you know like i said we're we're, we're hopefully on the other side of this thing and uh um we are totally uh uh you know ready to ready to sort of get back to at least having some a bit different communication with folks that we want to and and uh and hopefully once we once now we can travel through the county but once we can actually you know go and spend some time over there i'll definitely we, we definitely got to meet up and and have ourselves up here and talk about talk about a little bit of of not pg stuff maybe <laughs> maybe maybe is it, we talk to you soon john take care Thanks, pal. I super appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Everybody, that is Hit the Lotto Podcast. That was number 14. We are out of here. Thanks so much for everybody tuning in, and uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.